Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Neighbors Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, and with me, as always, I see uh, uh, one of my hosts coming in is uh, my man, Honey Grand, just Mike. What's up, brother? Hey, man, it's good to be here. Good to see y'all. Miss Aisha's here. Miss Caroline's yeah. here. Let's roll. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give her a second to get her get herself hooked up and in there. That that's your intro, East. Mm. I'm getting the the detox of these children off of me because you know I am it's it's summer camp at East's house right now. I know, I know. Yeah. So the voice that you hear right now um, is our very own uh, one part of our feminine energy, Black Girl Magic with the velvety smooth voice, Miss Aisha Green. How you doing? Hey, David. You know, I would show myself that I'm looking crazy because, you know, ever since I've had the children, I just don't care anymore. So that's When you say that. had the children, that's always interesting to hear you say. <laughs> you mean ever since you... <laughs> yeah, since my niece is like... No, no. Uh, not no seven and ten-year-olds. No. These oh. raggedy kids. These raggedy kids. I ain't got time for that. No. <laughs> but yeah, they, they came over Auntie Isha's house to have a good time, huh? That is literally what they're here for. They're just in the backyard in the pool, acting the pool, and um, there's that. Mike, did you know she had a pool in the backyard? Did she tell us that? I'm a little irritated, you know. I, I feel some type of way. It's for bit. children. Look, it's for children. So, oh, it's a I mean, it, yeah, it's just a child pool. They don't, don't got a big ass tub. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's just an oversized foot. Look, here, and here they are. And there they are. Well, look, we got a great show for you guys today because our guest today, I was just talking to her about how long ago uh, we met. It was, um, it was longer than 10 years uh, because, uh, and that's that's weird to say because I feel like I'm only like 17, but um, <laughs> I need to ooh, Isha. But anyway, uh, but yeah, um, I was working on uh, my first album that I put together called The Southeast Baby. I was at Listen Vision studios working with an awesome engineer by the name of javier shout out to javier and um his friend came up to to hang out and uh yeah that's where i met her and um so fast forward to uh maybe six years ago she reached out to me and was like dave i'm starting a festival and i was like okay you know and she's like i want to do this it's based around cannabis and i was like okay but we got up, we met, she sat down and talked to her, seeing the passion and the focus in this young lady's voice and in her face, I, I knew it was going to be something huge. Here we are six years later and the National Cannabis Festival is the premier cannabis event. I'm saying the world, I'm going to go that far. Uh, I, I, you know, I, it's, I don't in, have it's in the nation's capital. It's in, in the, the nation's, nation's capital. capital. It's 100%. Um, but I'm speaking of, uh, the heart and soul of the National Cannabis Festival. Miss Caroline Phillips is with us. How are you? It's so good to see you. I am great. Thank you guys so much for having me here tonight. Um, it feels like so long ago that we last got to do this. So yeah. I'm just excited to be back and excited to be about a month out from the next festival, finally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It does feel like a long time because um, 2020 was uh, seven years ago. So it's been a while now, but, um, but yeah, it, it feels like that just because so much has happened in that it time. Does. It does. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm so excited to talk to you. We finally back going, it's going to be live August 28th. You got some great events, great guests and everything. We're going to talk about it. It's a couple of things 
that's going on in the city, in the country, in the world. I want to talk about. Oh, is that the flyer? Is that the official flyer? Oh man, Method Man, Red Man. Who else? Mm -hmm. Young Mom. Back, back, gonna be out there. And tomorrow's the I can't. My eyes is not that good. That's that's yeah. That's a crazy lineup. Oh, and look. We giving away some tickets. I don't know if you heard, but uh, we about to do it. We um, I don't know why. I don't think I can. Miss Caroline, speak. Say something. Is she still on? I don't see her. Yeah, no, I'm right here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You, okay, you muted. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, we just. I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I didn't lose. But yeah, I'm giving away two tickets. So uh, if you're watching. You know, go ahead and uh, uh, post right now and say, uh, I want those tickets. And uh, we not that, that easy, Dave. They got to answer, <laughs> answer a trivia question, Dave. You want to answer a trivia question? No, I already yeah. put it out there. So that's what we're doing. I want those tickets. I'm going to pick somebody at the end of the show. They're going to get two tickets to the National Cannabis Festival. I've already purchased the tickets and I got to give them away. Um, and so I want to give them to somebody. And um, yeah, yes, I'm indeed. excited about that. It's going to be fun. Well, we can throw in two more if you want to give them to two lucky somebodies. Oh, okay. Okay. Caroline just added two more. So we'll pick two people. That'll be dope. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, I'll pick two people and two people are going to get two tickets. So you and a friend can go to the National Cannabis Festival. That's dope. August 28th. So um, let's talk a little bit about some stuff going on in the world. So Aisha, I want I wanted to talk to you first. You said you got the, um, you entertaining your, nieces and nephews how many young ones you got over there i have five young people in my home right now david what the hell are you doing what's <laughs> wrong with you that's why i said too they always send like a pack i don't ever get like two at a time it's always a small you said pride. Five. it's a pride a pride of children is that what what it is a a pride of children. Children. <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm glad you're here though because i wanted to talk a little bit about um I, one of the big things about summertime and having a bunch of kids is, is what to do with them. You know, you get tired of doing the same stuff. You go to the pool, you go to the playground, you go to the movies. What kind of stuff are you doing to keep the kids entertained this summer? Yeah, so with the kids, um, you know, we have a top golf outing scheduled. And um, I try to get them into, like, creative things, arts and crafts. So, you know, we did some clay uh, pottery earlier this weekend and we did some painting last week um i want to have them do some graffiti art so i got to get some uh some large canvases for them so that they can paint those anything to get their creative energy out so they can express themselves and um outside of my home because when they're in the house they are manic um <laughs> so i like having them outdoors so they can get some fresh air and some vitamin D and they can obliterate the backyard and I won't feel away. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And um, so what has anything just not worked at all? What was just like? I don't know. Let me ask the kids. Uh, Sanai. She just walked away. So oh, see, yeah. well, I guess that didn't work. Just then, that no, crazy. that definitely did not work. Um, but you know, young people now, Hey, Sinclair. I did say Sanai. I called your name. Come here, Sin Sin Sinai. Sinclair, what did you guys do this summer with Auntie Isha that y'all really liked? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, we went to the pool, went to the park, and we went did to some clips. Yeah, we found a jelly food. They went grocery and we, shopping. And we um, <laughs> did um, and we did molding, not molding that thing with the clay. Pottery. Pottery. Painting. Yeah, you guys had a good night, good time with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. My favorite part was going to the grocery store. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. I'm, I'm trying to remember how I was as a, as a little kid. Mike, you ever, you ever uh, did uh, pottery as a okay, kid? Thank you. We don't have pottery uh, environment in, in the lower south portion of the district of columbia or Burrow. <laughs> it was a, it was a different kind of pottery that mike did as a kid it was more hey, like hey, the pottery hey, that, uh, hey. <laughs> no but, but but what she's doing is she's trying and it's all for not because they are heathens they're all heathens <laughs> That's cool. yeah he's telling the truth Drop me off at the library before work and then pick me up after work yeah there you go and <laughs> I look, in the library all day if, if I could, if I didn't feel like there were these predators who'd steal them, like if they were my kids, I might be a little easier with it. But you know, they're my siblings. Yeah, but they're my siblings, so they're gonna want their kids back. <laughs> but we used to what be like that. Like, you, get, what made you get five? Of the, like, like five? You, you, you say what made me. Well, you need to ask how they end up with, not what made me, because you can't just get one and not all. You got to get everybody. Okay. It's not no, like I can say. No, you know, if they bad, you know they bad. You stay your little ass right there. That's what you tell them. But, oh, but hold! I took one home early though. One did have to get escorted home early because he had behavioral issues, and and having five children, I can't have a sixth one that is basically the spawn of Satan. I cannot entertain this. Oh wow! Too wow. many children. So well, yeah, I just wanted to get some pointers for any of the parents that's watching anything that they might take them outside. Take them roller skating and take them. Take them hula hooping, take them outdoors so that they can hula hoop and whatever it is. Um, you know, I still have a Wii that just shows you how long I've been out of the Nintendo game. Um, they play on the Wii like it's night, like it's 2006. They love the Wii. I got a Switch that I never use, but I have for when the children come to visit. Um, they love Roblox, they love uh, YouTube, and they especially love TikTok. Really like TikTok. The kids are really into the TikToks these days. No, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, man. So um, thanks for that. I definitely just wanted to give people a couple of looks. Because I know you're usually pretty good at entertaining, you know, yeah. and, and, and keeping the kids. And I know people have issues with trying to find just something to do. You don't want your kids sitting around the house all summer. You know, what'd you do this summer? I sat around, did nothing, watching movies, you know. But uh, so, yeah, man, I appreciate the, the pointers. So um, I'm also glad you're here. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, a couple of things that happened. The uh, the Space Jam movie that LeBron James starred in, I've been hearing a lot of negative things about it. Um, first of all, have any of you seen it? I did. You did? What'd you think of it? So um, if you are not a fan of LeBron James, you will hate Space Jam. Okay. Definitely. You will hate Space Jam for sure. Um, I thought it was appropriate for children. It is a child-centric movie. Um, I appreciated some of the um, callbacks they did to the original Space Jam. You know, some of the references like to um, Michael Jordan, some mm. of the references they made to um, Notorious B.I.G. It was, so good. Okay. It was um, yeah, I think it was, they did a good job for this generation. 
Um, of course, I'm going to be nostalgic and prefer the original, but I didn't have any problems with it. So. Okay. okay, Mike, Caroline, did either of you get to see it? No. I've seen it on HBO Max, and I was like, nah, I'm good. Uh, I'm just <laughs> so I know y'all like, why am I talking about this movie? The reason I brought that up is uh, it's another story about LeBron that uh -huh. I just recently heard that he's the first NBA player who, during his tenure as a player, has become a, a billionaire. Yeah. So to be in LeBron now stands for billionaire. So, I mean, that's a, a huge accomplishment for any person of color, any person, period. But just, um, uh, that's kind of dope, man. I know a lot of people, you know, feel some type of way about LeBron, but to make it to a Billy in 2021, um, does it seem more accessible these days? Does it seem like something that's not, you know, I remember when being a millionaire was something that was, you know, people were aspiring to it. Not that people aren't aspiring to it, but the, it seems like there's a few more billionaires these days. It seems like it's something that, like, like I feel like I, I feel like I can get there. I feel like I can get there. What you think, Mike? You gonna see a Billy before you before it's all over? It, it would be no good for the world. I'm saying that right now. <laughs> they they hear about me, it's, and it's a whole other story. But what is our story? You know, is it the billionaire or is it the lottery? How you gonna get a billion dollars if you're not LeBron James? earn that from 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 day one it was it was destined you know it was already given he was already given a blueprint so it is what it is so when you hear stuff like that about like people like lebron i mean does it feel like something so the way you just said it it seems like it's do you feel like it's something that's attainable for you like do you think you could ever see a billion dollars i don't want to see a billion dollars if i see about 47 mils a problem you understand that <laughs> It's a problem. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Man, a billion, a billion next generation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's all of the ball game. There. And Caroline, you're pretty close to a, bi a billion, right? You, um, no, I'm just messing with you. I'm just, <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, this, doesn't it seem more attainable now? It seems like more people are kind of, you know, reaching that mark. Yeah, no, I think it's almost more like the wealth gap is becoming more pronounced. Okay. So you hear about people getting really rich now and you hear about people kind of diving into poverty. That's true. Um, and I think that's, you know, also a side effect of the past year and a half plus that we've all been living through, like some people losing all of their work and other people really being able to benefit from what's been going on. That's true. Not to take anything away from LeBron. I think he fully deserves his billion. So good for him. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's um, you know, I thought it was an interesting story for him, for him to, uh, to reach that milestone. Uh, so I did say I wanted to talk a little bit um, about uh, last week we touched on Jason and the program that he's working with, Cedar United, and I wanted to uh, talk about it a little more, um, just to, as a little refresher, um, the community uh, development and mentorship program called Cedar United. They have a website. Uh, Cedar, S-E-D-A-R, united.com. And the reason I brought it up last week is um, it was in the wake of, you know, there's been a lot of gun violence going on in the city and a lot of young people involved in not just gun violence, but uh, there's a new initiative towards slowing down a lot of the carjackings and different things that kids are, are getting into these days, just having, um, not really having too much of anything to do in these summer months. Like I was just talking to Aisha about. 
and um and it's 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 headed in a negative direction. Uh, like murders are up, uh, violent crimes, things of that nature, and things involving these young people are definitely on the rise. And so um, I want to make sure I see a lot of people on social media talking about, um, you know, uh, talking about the problem and, you know, harping on the problem and it's an issue and it definitely is. And I understand discussing, the, um, you know, that discussion is where solutions come from, but I want to be more solution-based. And so I want to let you guys know about this program because, um, well, I don't know if it's like the end all be all or the answer, but it's something, it's something that you can do right now. So um, basically what it is is a mentorship program and a, a community development program started by Jason, you know, that was hosting this show with me for a while and he's moved on to doing that. And um, it, it's an amazing program. They taking these young kids and giving them purpose, giving them vision uh, and just spending time with them and giving them a lot of things that they're missing from, from having mentors and older people in their lives to give them wisdom and friendship and companionship and things of that nature um to to guide them in a better direction so um the uh instead of just talking about it on social media you know i'm challenging everybody to to reach out to this organization like i said they have a, a the website is cedar s i'm sorry c-e-d-a-r united uh dot com uh their email address is one cedar united at gmail their phone number is five seven one two I'm sorry, 571-526-8612. I can't read my own handwriting. But, um, and I'll put everything up so y'all can see it. Look, if you can't donate, you know, they they always need money, you know, but if you can't donate that, reach out to them, give your time, give your, your you know, your, your expertise, something to help out. Instead of just talking about it, let's be more part of the solution and more proactive about getting these kids' lives and showing them that it's more to live for and more to do and what they're doing right now. So uh, that's my that's my moment to preach to y'all. I'm, I'm gonna get off of that, but I just uh, you know wanted to champion that real quick because it's a dope initiative and it's it's really making some changes in people's lives and they can do so much more with your help. So um, you know anybody that has the time, money, love, something you can give to some some young people that need it, you know, uh, check out their website or reach out to them and let them know how you can help. And uh, it's definitely appreciated. Um, so that being said, it's, it's not too much going on. Um, I did want to talk, oh, Isha, I did want to talk about the, the verses coming up. You heard the dip set versus the locks. Isha? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm here. She's I was going She better be beating them kids' ass. You better be <laughs> right. no, 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 no. punching them in the throat. I was not assaulting the children. was not assaulting the children. You weren't um, assaulting the kids. It was not assaulting up. Yeah, I heard about the dip set versus the locks. Um, so you know, I have a preference for the locks, but I would probably say dip set will win this for sure. You think so? You think I do. I think that man do like Jim Jones and um Jules Santana, you know, Cam, they they got a strong little set, you know. Yeah. But do you think they catalog and see like uh Jada and see I differ? I'm leaning more toward the locks. I feel like yeah, I prefer I prefer the locks. I prefer them, but I feel like the catalog of the dipset is yeah. Okay. Cam was a move. Like Cam was definitely a movement for sure. Yeah, he did a lot of work. He wrote set, for a dip lot set, of dipset, dipset. <laughs> Mike, you got a preference in this? Yeah, Scarface. Scarface. Oh Lord. Okay. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Carolina, have you been following any of the versus uh, battles that they've been doing? 
I have been, yeah. There was a really good meth and red one. That was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, good that was, stuff. That was, that was a great. I'm uh, a little biased, but I, of course, really enjoyed that one. So. Right, right. That's a great uh, plug for, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they, their shows are amazing, though. Like, I got an opportunity to see them live, and I'm excited about seeing them live again. Um, at the National Cannabis Festival, August 28th. August 28th. <laughs> yeah. Can we bring like lawn chairs and just sit there and smoke? You can bring lawn chairs, you can come and hang out for the day, food trucks, exhibitors, education pavilions. Um, there's so much to do. Alcohol, no. Alcohol, yes. Lots oh. of alcohol. Not okay. lots of alcohol like that, but like what I mean is that if you want to go to an event in DC and not have to wait in line for alcohol, this is the one. So you can get as much alcohol as you want because there's not going to be a line. Oh, wow. Wow, that's good to know. So that's a great, thank you, Mike. That's a great segue into uh, talking about this amazing festival that's going on August 28th. You got Red Man and Method Man headlining. Um, so I did hear a rumor maybe two years ago, two or three years ago that they were trying to make, you know, to shut down any weed, or any actual cannabis at the cannabis festival. Was that true? Were they trying to make it you guys couldn't have any cannabis? I don't know. If there's ever a plan to do anything, it's not shared with us. Um, we wow. don't have any special relationship with MPD or DCRA or anyone that would say what does or doesn't happen on site. Mm. Um, I think that what people have noticed over the years is that by and large, the exhibitors and the attendees at the festival are respectful and acting in a responsible way. Um, and I think that our city has bigger fish to fry than a bunch of adults at a permitted event um, and, you know, who are acting in a peaceful manner than messing with them. So, you know, I think that what goes on at the festival is a good example of do we want our police officers policing peaceful cannibal, cannabis consumers or do we want them out on the streets making sure that things are safe? Or do we not want police officers at all? Do we want more social services out on our streets? But, um, you know, I think that what we go through at National Cannabis Festival is sort of an example of looking at how we resource um, our police in the city. Ms. Caroline, where are you from? I'm from D.C. I grew up in the city. Like, do you remember uh, Lafayette Square, the Great American Smoking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mother took me to it when I was 14. I think I started, right? I think I started going when I was like 16. I was, I was high as shit. And then I came out from uh, Metro Center up on uh, uh, the mall and a uh, park police horse was right there. And I, I was so high, I didn't see the horse. The horse got like right there. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Blew my high for about five minutes. But uh, the Great American Smoking was something serious. Cause, you know, you look around and I'm like, Mom, are you serious for real? She's like, chill, relax. And it was a peaceful event. Like you didn't hear about any issues there. And I think that, you know, there's still of course a large stigma that exists around the cannabis community and around the legacy market, especially. And there's like a want and habit, it seems like from certain authorities to really want to criminalize those people. But, you know, cannabis, in the cannabis community, it's like you know, peaceful people and a lot of people use cannabis for medicine, not just for recreation. So I don't know, it's interesting. I really hope that we're getting towards a time in DC where we have more progressive laws 
and where we're really thinking about where we want to resource um, the authorities that we do have in the city as far as like law enforcement goes. What, what sparked your flame? What made you say, you know what, I'm sick of this, sh I'm doing this in, 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 a, in a festival blossom? What, what, how'd that happen? Um, I got hired to work an event in DC that took place right like the weekend that Initiative 71 was becoming law. Mm -hmm. And um, before that, I'd done like a happy hour with my dispensary, the one that I went to, because I wanted to meet other customers. So it was just like amazing to see all the interesting people that came to this happy hour we put on. Um, but I got hired to do this conference. And on the day of the conference, I got there and I just looked around the room at the attendees and it was all older white men. And that, you know, I was like, these people must have driven in from I don't know where, but like, this is a conference I know a lot of people in DC would attend. I wonder why there aren't more people here. Well, it turns out the tickets were six or $700. Um, they had all of these activists come and speak for free, but they didn't donate to their organizations. Um, you know, they had all of these people attend, but they didn't think to like reinvest in our city at all. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because at the time I'd been working in human rights and um, like, you know, civil rights and stuff like that. And I know that especially when new industries start to flourish and come online, it's really important that the surrounding community that's impacted by that industry is taken into account. So um, I really wanted to put on an event that gave DC residents a voice in how our cannabis story is told. Like, I think there are so many cool cannabis events in the United States. You think about things like the High Times Cannabis Cup, like outside lands those are all great events but they're great events run by people that live in la or live on the west coast and our war on drugs story on the east coast is so different the war on drugs has been going on longer and harder here they've had different levels of legalization in places like california for much longer than we have um, that doesn't mean that black and brown people weren't still being locked up at a disproportionate rate but just compared to how things were being treated on the East Coast still, you know, I think it's just really different here. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we got to tell our own story and that this didn't just become some, you know, kind of corporate cannabis festival that local companies couldn't afford to be part of. Right, that's, that's dope. And, and you spoke um, about the, uh, the legal aspect of it. So I was thinking about, um, in thinking about uh, this interview, I was thinking about some things that I really wanted to ask you, knowing that you had some expertise on it. And one of those things was, um, so for someone like me, who's not really in the industry, um, it looks as if there has been some, some strides and some, some positive uh, movement and um, litigation and things of that nature from um, legalizing. You hear so much about the legalization movement. And then even um, with, um, on the, um, criminal justice side of it, where some municipalities are looking at or either have begun to expunge or um, um, overturn nonviolent offenders uh, uh, sentences and things of that nature. So from what we see in the news and things like that, it looks like things are moving, but from someone who's in it, um, what do we need to know? Is, is what we see accurate, uh, an accurate depiction of what's going on or, um, you know, uh, what, what's needing to happen? So what you're saying is right and wrong. Um, and I think that's kind of the conundrum with cannabis in the United States right now, because we don't have a federal mandate that says what's legal and what isn't. You go state to state and the rules are different and the rules are different in such a nuanced way that you could see someone easily driving 
from DC into Virginia and getting locked up in Virginia because they have a bit more weight than they're supposed to be. 85% maybe they show ass. Yeah, so um, I think that that's one of the big challenges that we face right now. And for me personally, when I look at the landscape and the outlook for DC cannabis, um, that's just confusing. You know, it's like, why don't we have an adult use system? You know, why do we still have to figure out which businesses are legal and which aren't? Why hasn't the D.C. Council been allowed to execute on the will of D.C. voters who six years ago said that we wanted to have a taxed and regulated cannabis system in our city beyond just medical, but also for adult use? Um, So, you know, I think that we've seen great progress in the past six months with council members introducing legislation um, that includes a lot of community reinvestment and includes social equity measures that make sure that Black people and Brown people in our city and folks who've been impacted by the war on drugs are put first when we're looking at new licenses. But we can't do anything because Congress um, has this rider that says that if DC moves forward with adult use, that they will pull other funds from us for other social services. Um, Yeah, so that's problematic still. So we're six years later with this weird system that has made people both in the license market and the legacy market feel some kind of way. And if you asked me six years ago when I called you to be like, hey, I'm gonna put on this festival. If you'd asked me if I thought I would still be producing a festival in conditions where with such a lack of clarity, I'd be like, are you, no, are you kidding? Like, of course, you know, of course, like legislators are going to make decisions. Of course, Congress is going to realize that if D.C. voters say they want this, then they should have it. Um, but that's not quite what happened. So here we are in this kind of strange limbo still. Um, so that's my long answer to a kind of crazy question. <laughs> no, no, that's, yeah, it's, it's an in-depth answer, and that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you for understanding my question as uh, as piecemeal as it was. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about the um, the stigma. You were on here, you know, a year ago, and we also had um, a young lady by the name of Jamila Hogan, uh, who's another pioneer female in the uh, cannabis industry in this area. Um, and you talk, we talked uh, some about, like, the one of the reasons for a lot of the issues is uh, the negative connotations and stigma that is still around cannabis as a plant, as, you know, medicine, as, uh, as what it is. So um, what are some of the negative stereotypes and stigmas that you guys are trying to break away from? And what are some of the ways that, that the cannabis industry is, is, is trying to achieve that? I mean, there's so many stigmas. I think the one that has been hurting my feelings the most this week is this correlation that certain authorities in DC have been trying to make between violence in our city and cannabis. I think that that's pressing the easy button when you want to say what you think the issues are in our city and that if you dig deeper, this is a social service issue. This is an education issue. It's a housing issue. It's like a public resource issue. It's a mental health issue. And to try and say it's because of weed, I'm like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Some people have been out of work so long that they're looking for any way they can to feed their family or to pay their bills or to make themselves feel stable. Um, So, you know, I think for a long time, cannabis consumers um, and people in the industry have been looked at as like counterculture or underground or somehow seedy. 
Right. And it's just really quite remarkable at a time when we have these very like respected dispensaries in the city and that were allowed to stay open during COVID as essential businesses that we also still have people using such outdated language and leaning on such outdated stigmas to kind of persecute a whole community of people. So um, in, in your opinion, is there anything that people on the outside like myself or, um, you know, can do to help with the movement or if people want to, you know, offer time or donate or anything of that nature? I mean, there are little things. I was just thinking like when we see these stories go up in the news on Facebook, mm. you don't agree with them and say, hey, you know, comment on those. Yeah. People read that stuff. Um, you know, I think that we're going to have DC council elections coming up again. Mm. Pay attention to that. Um, find out where your DC council members stand. I think that it's going to be really important that we support Congresswoman Norton in her efforts um, and support organizations like DC Vote who are advocating for DC to get statehood. If we have statehood, then we get to enact our own laws without Congress threatening us. Um, so I would encourage all DC residents to like really dig in on making sure that DC becomes a state. If you live outside DC, but you love DC and you have friends who live here, donate to groups like DC Vote and the ACLU of DC, because um, at a lot, a lot of times they're kind of our front line of defense when Congress comes to try and challenge the will of the people in our city. Okay, thank you for that. Definitely, um, I wanted to make sure that people know what they can do to, to um, you know, to positively influence or help to positively influence what's what's been going on and what we're talking about. So I wanna um, shift a little bit to talking about the festival itself. So one of the main things that I remember from that conversation that we had all those years ago, uh, when you say you're putting on a festival, um, you talked about, you know, in that first year, um, as anyone might imagine, putting on something of this magnitude, um, it was um, a serious undertaking to say the least. And so you talked about, you know, um, uh, the, the stress involved and, and not sure where, you know, the funding would come from and all of that. So um, first of all, uh, when did the shift start to happen from, you know, this being a, a plan and something that you were developing to, okay, this is really going to happen? Like, uh, when did that shift take place? And also from then to now, um, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? So we'll start with the first question. When did that shift from like, oh man, I don't know if this is going to go. And this is too, my goodness, this is really happening. Like, do you remember when that took place? I mean, I think there are a couple of points. Um, I'd originally wanted the festival to be in 2015, but I couldn't find a venue and I couldn't make it happen. Um, so I had to actually shift, but I knew that I told enough people my intention that I couldn't back away at that point. Mm -hmm. um, the second point that I kind of locked in and knew it was going to happen was about eight months out, I emptied my savings account to put down a deposit at RFK Stadium. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, if I lose that money, it's really going to suck. And all of these people are going to know I tried something and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So I have to make this work. Right. Um, okay. And then I think the last time that I knew that it was locked in because it went in phases Mm -hmm. was um, probably February of 2016. I was like, I, I really am doing this. I have to do it now. Right, right. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think I've learned a lot over the years. It is not an easy, live events are not easy. And the past year, I think, has demonstrated that. Um, so many people that you all know, and of course, people like me and in my industry have been out of work. And that's not just live event producers, but it's stagehands. It's concession people that sell hot dogs at stadiums. It is janitorial staff. Um, you know, it's road managers. It's musicians so many artists in our city have been out of work mm -hmm. um so i think for me what i've learned over the years and especially in the past year is try to like really not react too much um there's a lot of stress in live events um if you've ever been involved in a festival or even like for you dave just like a production like being right. on set you know, thing you're trying to create a vision for people and you promised them a certain thing. You promised them certain quality of thing. Um, so yeah, trying to just really execute on that and make sure that you're giving people what you see. Yeah. DC, we 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 sit there for 20 minutes, like, uh-huh. And then you, you better do something. You better bring on Michael Jackson, something because we got to, you know. And, and you're right. You're so right. You're so right. Thank you so much for working so hard because I know it's got to be tireless. What I'm looking forward to is just like peace, peace. Like I don't want the one thing I don't like about crowds is collectively people are stupid. Individually, we're, we're geniuses, but collectively, as a group, we are some fucking fools. It's ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> and it's it's scary because it's like where we are now. We hitting. We just relaxing. Some music, chilling. It's not no drama. It's not no. It's, it's, it's all love here because that's what this is about. All of it. All of it. So, uh, so speaking to that, uh, and kind of to piggyback off of what Mike was saying, um, I know that uh, Red Man and Method Man are, are headline, and that's that's amazing. Uh, like I said, their live performances are crazy. I got a chance to see them, but for someone like me who hasn't had an opportunity to be to to, to experience. The National Cannabis Festival in its entire glory. Yet, what can what can people expect? What are they going to see on on the twenty eighth when they arrive there? We're gonna get you high shit, day Watch, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm gonna get you. I'm talking to Caroline Shush, ma'am. Get you fried. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like stepping into a cannabis fantasy city for a day. Um, <laughs> get to see all of these incredible brands and arts and craft vendors. Um, licensed cannabis companies telling you about their dispensaries. Um, you can go into education spaces and learn from everything about local law to sex and cannabis. Um, if you're over 65, you can go to our seniors lounge and hang out there. If you're a veteran, we've already given away our free veteran tickets, but um, we have a veterans lounge. I know that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, and you know, that has like free food and beverages for them all day. Um, the festival is a really fun day. We have a huge, huge food court. And of course the concert all day. Um, it's really good vibes. Um, attendees are from 21 to 75, 85, uh, but it's really different than any event I've ever attended. And I think part of that is because cannabis touches so many people from so many walks of life in so many different ways. Like everybody knows Unfortunately, everybody knows has a family member, has a friend, has someone in their life who has been sick um, and have been hoping for, if not used, an alternative medicine. A lot of folks know people who've served in our armed forces and came back not the same and would have loved to have an alternative medicine. 
A lot of us have experiences that we look back on fondly when we first experimented with cannabis as teenagers, even for people that don't have it as part of their daily life now. Mm -hmm. um, so in a way it is part of like American culture and it's really ingrained. So um, I think when you come to the festival, you get to see really the best of what our region has to offer. And you get to see what the future of a regulated cannabis industry and community could really look like. It's really fun just seeing all of the brands and all of the creativity and all of the live art installations. So yeah, we're really looking forward to it this year and making it to our fifth anniversary has felt like an uphill climb. I'm not trying to blow you, you ready? Yeah. I'm not trying to, hold on, I'm not trying to blow you. Okay. I'm not trying to blow you. I'm not trying to blow you. I swear. I'm, I'm not. All right, Mike's pretty high right now. Go ahead and ask the question, Mike. Shut up, babe. Shut up. How I'm not. I don't pass my J normally anyway into, into anybody other than my wife. With COVID, you know, you can't hit my J cuz. It's all personal, right? Am I right? Okay. Get That's where we at with that, right? I mean, asking, Mike. I'm not asking. I'm not asking. It's, it's, it's like a law. It, even. Even before COVID, wasn't nobody hitting my J but my wife. But but now here we are with COVID. You, you can't hit my J because I, I owe you one because you not hit my J. I mean, am I, am I wrong? You are you you're really high, is what you are, Mike. Um, I'm, so I'm asking a le legitimate question. Should we? Be, I'm not. I'm not about passing Jays and hitting other people, other people's. Oh, so you're saying at the festival, you think they're gonna share? Is that what you're asking? Yes, sir. I thought you were asking. Well, so I think that the interesting thing about most cannabis consumers is that we all actually have like awareness of our own health. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people will share J's within their pods. I think that we will see some really smart exhibitors come with loads of safe smoking items, like those uh, mouthpiece filters that you can use to put on a bong and then you can hit it like, you know, using your own mouthpiece. I think that we're going to see a lot of people using their own safety devices. And yeah, a lot of people sitting in the circles I would have sat in anyway. Right. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I'm not one to show up at a public event and like grab a joint from someone I don't know. Um, but I guess those folks are out there. I don't, I don't know. Hopefully they use their best judgment. So, uh, so before we go too far, I want to go back really quickly. Uh, so Mike and I had a conversation before we usually talk a little bit before the show and talk about things that we want to talk and ask the people who are coming on um, in their area of expertise. And Mike brought up a good point about um, uh, some of the other uh, substances that have come up for legalization recently. Um, we talked specifically about like the, the mushrooms um, and things of that nature. Um, outside of uh, cannabis, like uh, where, where do you stand on those, uh, those other substances being legalized? I mean, I think that we should decriminalize all drugs. Um, I think that we should really be approaching drug use in general in a different way in this country. Um, and, you know, I think decriminalizing mushrooms in DC is a great step. I think there's a lot of education to be done in the community about the medical uses for mushrooms and how to use them safely. Right. Um, you know, that's definitely not something that I want to see a bunch of kids just like you know, hauling off and just being like, I'm gonna eat a handful. You're like, oh, that might not be a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, you know, I think that this in this country, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money persecuting people who have been sick with drug addictions instead of helping them. I think we've spent a lot of time 
persecuting people who would love to be legal business owners. So instead of giving them avenues to become business owners, we've been throwing them in jail. But I also understand that in this country, there is you know, an industry around imprisoning people and incarcerating people. So um, I know that if we decriminalize all drugs, we're going to be pulling the rug out from that industry, but maybe it's time to happen. It's a whole other domino effect. It's Think about what that would do to the population in the DC jail if we said, if you're anyone in here for a drug offense is out, if your first interaction with the law in our city had to do with drugs, raise your hand. Okay, we're gonna like relook at your sentencing because we all know about the cycle of incarceration. Once you've had your run in with the law once, you know, you run in again and again and more and more frequently um, for a lot of people. So it's an interesting thing. It's just like an interesting thing to look at how many people in our city had their first interaction with the law because of drugs and who were they hurting at the time. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I just wanted to know, you know, because um, it seemed like an interesting thing. Like you said, I think that there needs to be, um, you know, efforts toward education like there has been um, uh, for uh, cannabis, um, you know, the, the strong efforts for education toward the medicinal purposes and safe uses and things of that nature. I, um, when I first heard about the, uh, the mushroom coming up for uh, decriminalization, it was a guy like in front of the local grocery store and he had a petition and he wanted me to sign. And I'm like, well, but I don't feel like I know enough about it to, to, to put my name confidently and be like, I want this to happen. I feel like I need more education on it too. But I know that there are, you know, medicinal uses for them. And um, yeah, I just think it's something. I don't that, want that shit on my pizza. Oh, 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 <laughs> anyway, right. But uh, but yeah, so um, over the past five years, you've had some amazing guests. You've been able to um, get some some really um, some really big names to to headline the festivals, and not just headline to perform at the festivals. Um, so, did you have any that stood out as your favorite, Caroline? Anybody that you know um, that you were like, I really wanted to see their performance, and yeah, you got to do it. You got to see it. And, you know, I think that having Bismarcky at the festival, you're wearing his shirt, so that's yeah. great. But um, that was like a really just great moment, I think, for me and my whole team. He was, you know, fun. He was fun to work with. He had people starting to walk out of the exhibitor area to see what was going on on the stage. Um, he just really set such a great vibe for that afternoon. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to really enjoy himself. Yeah. So that was like a really, I think that was just like a really nice moment. Um, and now that he's gone, it feels like an even more special moment that we right. got him in the year when live events were still happening and before he passed. So, and he's from the area too. So I loved right. having him there. Of course, having Backyard every year, that's always, always, always special. That's when the local neighbors tend to come out and start lining up along the fence lines when Backyard comes out. Mm -hmm. So we really love that. But yeah, I think those are probably two of the things that I love most about our main stage. That's dope, that's dope. Yeah, we smoke yeah. out there on the street too. Exactly. Right. We blow down, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Biz is one of those guys, man. Like I had an opportunity to meet him a couple of times. I did some stuff at Howard when I was there. And uh, then a couple of other events uh, we've been at. And yeah, like you say, he's one of his energy is just, was, was just infectious. and. Um, yeah, it's dope that you guys got a chance to uh, to experience that. 
and have them come out and support, like you said, in the, in the you know, in the year when things are still yeah. happening. So um, uh, last year, right before the festival, um, you know, you came on, we talked about it, and then COVID happened and everything. So, um, but you were able to shift a lot of the events last year to to uh, virtual events, which um, which you know made it where you didn't have to completely shut down everything. Um, so, which which is definitely a plus. Um, with everything that was going on, in your estimation, how last year, um, how was kind of picking up the pieces and putting together? Because I feel like you were able to put together a um, a quality experience with what you were able to do, you know, just seeing the events that you still had planned, the virtual things, you know, that you were able to put together. In your opinion, how did, how did that all go? Um, well, I appreciate you saying that. To me, last year was wholly dissatisfying. I will tell you something. Um, no, you know, it's hard to like shift in what you're doing when you're so close to executing on what you've been working on for a year, which was the actual festival. Right. We are really lucky to be able to put on some good quality programs, but were they ever, I just, I feel like I never met my vision for the quality that I wanted them to be. And that's because we aren't a television production company. Right. Um, you know, we're a live events company. And it was, um, for me, I was learning a whole new skill set. Mm -hmm. I was, um, asking people on my team to be like, okay, we're shifting from live events to doing streaming things. It was really hard. Um, I guess it was satisfying because we did learn and we did have some good experiences, but overall, ugh, I never want to have another like full year of virtual events again. You guys have to admit you were even like, apart from the versus battles, I think everything else I'm like, if it's virtual and you're inviting me to it, I can watch it later. Like, I right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless it is like, I just, I can't do any more of the conferences. Did you do any of the awkward conferences with like the virtual meeting rooms where you would like press a button and someone random would be on the screen in front of you that you had to network with? Yeah, uh, it was too much for me. I'm like, this is too much. Um, so I hope that we don't have to do another year of virtual festivals. It was really cool seeing the different things that people tried, but I know from talking to other folks in live events that we were all just like gritting our teeth and like, oh, we can't get like wait to get back to doing what we actually love. So this feels better this year, um, but I guess I can add virtual event producer to my resume. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, that's a great way to look on the bright side. And and uh, it's interesting in your answer, you said get back to doing something that we love. So. Um, this festival has, has become like um, uh, something uh, that you love pretty much. Uh, you you uh, built this thing from, from nothing pretty much. It was the idea that you had. And I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You know this, you did it. But uh, it, it's, just, it's dope that you were able to take something from that stage and, just, and come out with this. How you just, I mean, you, you just, you just, how, who, who applies for RFK? Like, like, how do you go apply for that venue? How do you know it helps what, if you don't really know what you're doing. If I'd known what I was up against, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But it was like peeling back layers of an onion. I didn't know what was underneath the next. Yeah. But yeah. You probably enjoyed you. You like you enjoyed it. Yeah. So um, 
why a festival? Like when you first started it, what about the 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 live festival made you say this is what I want to do? As opposed to, you know, any other type of live event. I love creating event experiences and festivals to me, it is like building a city for the day, like a mini city focused on one special thing. Um, and I'd grown pretty notorious for these amazing front lawn parties I used to throw in front of my condo building mm -hmm. on our front lawn. Um, and I would pride myself on having different things people could do in each corner. And when I was putting together the festival, I just really you know, thought to myself, what are the different things we could do? What would people really enjoy doing? Um, and I think because I like creating experiences so much, this was just really a great creative outlet for me. Oh, so so um, over the years in doing it, um, things have changed. You know, um, you, you develop, you know, mechanisms for certain things and things like that. What about the process has gotten easier? And what about the process has gotten maybe, maybe not easier, maybe a little harder or more difficult to accomplish over the six years that you've been doing it? I mean, having the brand be more recognizable now obviously helps for the first two years. Like I didn't have a profile on cannabis or live events. Like nobody in the DC festival scene was like, have you talked to Caroline about her project? Right, right. So it was like a lot of convincing people that I was competent enough to even do this and that I was serious about it. Mm -hmm. um, it has gotten a bit easier now because people know the festival exists. Um, it still feels like each year I'm reinventing the wheel as laws in our city do change and don't change as lawmakers change, as city officials change, and you have to reconvince a whole new group of people. Um, but, you know, I'm a bit more confident because I know what I'm doing now a bit better than I did six years ago. Definitely. So I think that helps, like just like that baseline confidence of kind of knowing what I have to do to get it done. And thank you for your perseverance because you're doing it for all of us. You know? oh, thank you. It's important. it's important. Definitely, definitely. So I want to talk a little bit. He said that don't smoke, Dave. Shut up, Dave. Anyway, don't even smoke. <laughs> no, I don't have but, to smoke. I mean, I'm a, I'm a no, supporter. No, but, but, but ultimately, it's, it's it's about you know, if if it's a lifestyle, if it's a, if it's a, it's a in regards to your religion, whatever it is, if it's an opiate. There are certain things in, in this world that really take people to certain places and, and they're gonna be all right. Leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Leave them alone. After a while, just leave them alone. Okay. Uh, Th thanks for that, Mike. I think that's I I'm just saying because you say mushrooms, I don't I don't do cow shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you get gather a mushroom, you know, you dig. So it's like I ain't got that they get in my life. I have never been around anybody who offered me one. I'm pretty sure I could be drunk and have a good time, my wife, and say, yeah, dude, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like, know. you're not gonna smoke before the shows anymore, Mike. So, uh, Caroline, <laughs> so when I met you, um, uh, you had came up to uh, Listen Vision that day, I think to smoke with Javier, and I correct me if I'm wrong, were you with, uh, it was Javier, um, the guy who ran the studio, DJ Boom. Were you, you were with them when they were smoking out of the apple? Did you do that? I think I was with them. Yeah, I mean, I think that I come over to see Javier at work. I remember listening to your session. Um, you guys are in the back studio. Yeah. 
then yeah, we got, I got like this, like kind of mini tour of the studio and we smoked weed in one of the front rooms. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good time. I was like, this is yeah. nice. I could be an engineer. I don't want to do any of the sound stuff, but I can smoke weed and listen. That's literally, yeah, that's literally what they do, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, the reason I brought up the Apple and stuff is because you're probably one of the, uh, one of the people who I consider a cannabis connoisseur. So I want to ask you a couple of cannabis centric questions if that's okay. Okay. And this is this is for all the smokers that knew you were going to be on and wanted to watch because of your reputation as being a cannabis connoisseur. In your opinion, what's the best munchie food? Um, you know, I think that is an interesting question because you have sweet and you have savory. And um then there's texture stuff. So a little earlier today, I discovered dill ruffle potato chips, like dill pickle ones. Mm. Those were really good. They were very tangy and salty. And then, you know, there's always like good stuff with ice cream to get your sweet covered. But I really think that you need to like really go for it on the like salty savory so that the sweet is much more satisfying. That is a uh... Weed science there, That's, <laughs> but uh, but now on the um on the more serious now with with the festival, um with this 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 huge venue that you've had to fill every year, um, how much do you put into each year, topping yourself from the previous year or doing something better or bigger for that next for that next year of the of the festival? Um, we put our everything into that. Um. You know, we know that expectations from our audience and our exhibitors and sponsors is high um, for a lot of the small businesses that exhibit at the festival. This feels like a holiday season to them, just one day at the event. You know, and then there's also just trying to top ourselves in the way that we present the festival. We know that, you know, the festival is important in DC, not just because it's a fun time, but because it's an example of DC cannabis culture that's very visible. So we also want to do a good job in presenting the festival to the general public, how we talk about it, um, what our designs look like, what does the site look like? Does it look like a flea market or does it look you know, well thought out and tidy? Nothing wrong with flea markets. It's just not the vibe we're going for. Right. Um, you know, so we do, we put a lot of thought into how we present this event for the benefit of our fans and audience, but also because we know that it's so easy for people to point their finger at us and say a bunch of stoners. Yeah, of course they did that that way. Of course it looks that way. Of course they fucked this up or that up. Mm -hmm. um, so we work really hard to be really organized and show that through our event. That's dope, that's dope. So um, you talked a little bit about um, building a a brand or building the name for the festival and for yourself as the coordinator um, and, and how uh, tough it was before that happened to get things going. So now that you have kind of built this 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 brand and you're known in the festival circuit, what, what are some of the benefits of having that name and having that notoriety? Um, I think... And th this is actually something that's happened over COVID. We've started all working much more closely together. Mm -hmm. um, I think people have seen the quality of the festival, whether they agree with the subject matter or not, they know what it could be and they know what it ends up being. So I think that um, it's easier to get people to pick up calls now because 
you know, they know that this is a real thing and I think they've seen how hard that I and my team work on bringing it to reality. Yes, so that's something that yes, I think has changed. That's right. It's hard work. It's real, real hard work. It's grinding. Yeah. Not for the faint of heart. Right, right. So was there anybody, uh, any artists or um, performers that you reached out to um, that you weren't able to get or um, anyone that you would like to get in the future who you're who you, um, looking forward to reaching out to? So many, um, especially in the first couple of years, we really didn't have much in the way of budget. So I would always like hope I could get people to perform by just like appealing to them on like, you know, criminal justice reform and this and that. Um, but we got some great artists that really understood what we were trying to do. And that's allowed us to kind of grow um, the talent that we're bringing in. I would love to have a multi-day festival in the future where we can have multiple headliners and we can do more things for different genres. Um, but I think it would be a lot of fun to get um, Run the Jewels to DC. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, um, I would really love to be able to do that sometime soon. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll reach out to them. I know some people that know some people. I'll see if we can get them. No, I don't know anybody. But um, just speaking of the lineup and people that you have, people, artists like De La Soul, Talib Kweli, Cypress Hill, uh, Luda, of course, is uh, 2019, and, and, now, and now uh, Red and Meth. I feel bad. Um, I feel bad. I feel bad. You said what, Mike? I feel bad because I stayed right there on the little side. It's a little side street beside the uh, the um <laughs> the field, right? And you can see him from right right out there in the street. That's like, perfect, <laughs> though. He even like gave shout outs to people outside their houses. Man, we we had a good time too. We had a good time. But someone's like, that's ludicrous. Why is why is ludicrous, why is ludicrous right here? And I was I wanted to tell him, you know, but you know, I love my son. Guess when he was born? Hello? Guess when my son was first, guess when my first born son, my first born son. Mm -hmm. 420. That's so funny. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it is what it is, man. It definitely is what it is. Thank you for that, Mike. Good uh, <laughs> day. <laughs> so um, Mike talked a little bit about um, uh, when he was asking about like um, you know getting RFK. You know some of the some of the intricacies of planning a something of this magnitude. I'm sure there had to be um, things at, in the beginning and even up until now obstacles and things that you face in uh in in trying to get everything to run smoothly trying to get everything to to go off basically without a hitch and i'm sure it's gotten easier over time but there are still things that there's still things that you you know that you come up against that you have to face or that you you know um now have gotten better at overcoming i mean i think so i was really lucky when i started that like i'm not afraid to ask people questions or ask for help so I'd ask people questions and if I still couldn't figure it out, I'd be like, could I get you to come and work on this with me? Like, you know, can I completely help me with this? Um, but yeah, I feel like I have a broader network of people I can go to now. And I have people that have now been working with me on the festival for a few years. So there's stuff that just feels more automatic. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, that speaks volumes to your, um, to what I saw um, when when we had that conversation, and uh, you know, just the uh, you know, uh, 
just looking at like the passion and the uh uh what's the like you you were absolutely there was no question in your mind that it was happening and just to have the audacity to to uh to say it with that confidence is what you need to to make you know like it made me believe like i was like she's gonna she's gonna put on a festival it's gonna happen you know and so yeah um you know growing your network and things like that definitely speaks volumes to that and um commend you so much for that it's, it's dope that uh you were able to you know um uh visualize and and conceptualize and speak something into existence so huge and it's a great um it's it's a, it's a great example for anyone you know trying to do something that seems impossible because like i said in that first conversation i remember you talking about the stress levels and not knowing where the money was coming from and losing sleep and things of that nature and and now five years in like um you know it's 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 so much better and and you've seen that first one once you get that first one off it's, it's, it's you know uh it's just dope it's amazing to see man i'm so proud i know i'm guessing a little bit but it, it, it's, it's dope to see it happen so um with that being said for people who are uh you don't have to raise your hand mike this is an elementary school um you can't smoke no more what you want mike what <laughs> i want to <laughs> you can email me your question yeah mike you okay if you don't remember it right now you can you always lost it. yeah yeah but what i was going to ask you was um for anyone who's looking at maybe not putting on a festival festival but uh something that you know that's the world shut up like uh <laughs> like that in that it seems almost um is that it seems this is what it evolves into me just babysitting him for the rest of the show. He gets tired. You know, it's, it's a festival every year. Ultimately, is it every year for the rest of your life? I mean, until, I mean, every every year, right? Yeah. I mean, when, does it, when does it stop? I mean, just that's that's what I want. When the people don't want it anymore, that's when it'll stop. And I, and I don't think that's going to happen. Like, why would you? Yeah, I don't think it's going to, you know. I don't think there'll be a time when people don't want, you know, uh, live music and, you know, um, uh, cannabis centric information, entertainment and fun. So I, I think not. this is a niche that she, you know, uh, that you carved out. That's, that's amazing. But my question was going to be, what kind of advice do you have for people who maybe aren't trying to, you know, um, do necessarily a festival, but for live events, uh, in general, or just, just trying to achieve something that almost seems you know, uh, on such a scale that some people believe it might be impossible and things like that, because you've pretty much done the impossible almost, you know, with this. So, uh, so what kind of advice would you give someone who came to you? I would tell everybody to figure out how to express their idea on paper, because if you can write it down and clearly explain to people what you're trying to do, then you can sell your idea to someone, sell it to an audience, sell it to, you know, you, that's how you move it. You have to be able to explain it clearly. I think that was something that I was lucky to be able to do with National Cannabis Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and that was that was part of it. Like you, um, definitely very succinctly explained what you were trying to do, and and I was like, yeah, this is gonna happen. That's that's dope, man. So, um, yeah, man. I just wanna. Uh, well, let's look at. Uh, some of our comments and see who, because I know some people have 
started to say that they want those tickets. And Caroline has said that she's adding two more tickets to the giveaway. So we'll have four tickets instead of two. Uh, so we're going to pick two people. So let's check this out here. Give me one second. Let me just uh, pull this up here. Oh, yeah, we got a couple of people. Let's see. So I'm going to have an official list that I'm going to put together at the end of the show. And I'm going to uh, go through the list and uh, pick two names. And from those names, we are going to uh, pick our winner, our winners, you know, pick the two names of the winners. And uh, yeah, you're going to get two tickets. So you and a friend can go check out the National Cannabis Festival, August 28th. Um, now, was the, um, the the date was obviously because of what, uh, because of the COVID, you know, you had to, you had to put the... Uh, uh, a later date because I know you used to do it on 420 or yeah, around back in April in 2022 but we just had to take an off year do one in August because we just really wanted to have the event this year dope dope yeah yeah and I think it's you know it's I think you know this is such a, a great um a great uh, uh example or a great a great coming back you know it's like a great way to 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 exemplify you know things kind of getting back to um some level of normalcy, you know, um, and uh, to to have such a festival of such a ma of, of this magnitude, you know, like you said, I think they needed it this year, so that was a great decision uh, to still have it. Um, uh, when you hear things about like you know um, the the numbers uh, starting to spike and things like that, um, does that uh, you know add a certain level of you know apprehension or anything, uh, you know? I think, yeah, for like humankind, um, I know that DC and our area has one of the higher vaccination rates in the country mm. and our event is outdoors. Um, so I trust what our public health authorities tell us is safe and not safe to do. And just like in 2020, mm. if it becomes unsafe, then we'll change plans as advised by them. But for right now, we're being told that we're good to go. Um, the community in DC has stepped up to the plate, gotten vaccinated so that we're able to have public events again. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have been, uh, you know, they talked about the, the numbers in the city being, uh, for, the, for the vaccine being, you know, not completely where they want them, but, but on, the, on, the, um, you know, on the better side of things, which is, you know, good for, for events like this, definitely. Uh, is uh, one of the questions that I always ask all of my guests, if you had an opportunity to talk to a younger version of yourself, if you can get in a time machine and go back and talk to 12-year-old Caroline with everything that you've uh, learned, all the wisdom that you've gained um, throughout the years, what would that conversation be like? What, what would you say to that young lady? I would tell myself to trust my brain. Um, yeah, I think that is a thing that I've learned over the years is that like, you know, I can have good ideas that I can execute on. And I think it just took me a little while as a younger woman and like a younger professional to like gain the confidence to trust my own ideas. Cause to put on the festival, I had to quit my job and like walk away from all stability because I knew that once they found out they weren't gonna be happy and because it's a full-time job producing live, live events like this. So yeah, I would tell myself to trust my brain. That's heavy, that's heavy. Yeah, trust your brain, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, um, 
a lot of times we we don't, you know, uh, we second guess and question, and I mean, um, uh, stifle our own awesomeness. And so it's it's amazing that you you know were able to you know uh, uh, embrace your awesomeness and 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 create this thing that's going to be that's just going down in life. history. Like you're going to be a part of for life. You said what, my I said that's why I said for life. When yeah. you embark on something like this, this is a lifetime thing. She gonna be a hundred and seventeen with a doobie, like yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. But Caroline, do you think about like um, like the legacy of it, like how this is something that's gonna live and you know forever, pretty much? Not at all. I just think still how I hope that I can do a good enough job to not embarrass our community or my family. I'm still at that phase in my work. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the, just, if nothing else, being around for as long as you have now with it, you know, um, speaks to um, a level of prestige and things that you've been able to, uh, you know, to keep with it. So, um, yeah, so I don't think like, you know, embarrassing, like, like you said, you built, you built a certain, um, you know, a certain level of respect around it. And people, people know, you know, the festival in North for a certain level of quality. That's why they, you know, come back and they support it so much. So I think you definitely achieved that. That's a, you know, yes, you don't have to worry about that one. Um, so it's, uh, the second question that I always ask people, always ask all of my guests is, um, uh, you're in a position, you know, being the head of this festival and even, um, you know, in the other things that you've done with event coordination and things of that nature, uh, you're in a position where there are a lot of eyes on you at any given time. When people look at Caroline Phillips, when people see you, what is it that you hope they see? Um, I hope that they see a good ambassador of the drug policy community in DC and of the cannabis community. Um, yeah, no, I know that it matters how I present myself when I'm speaking to city officials about the festival, when I'm talking to permit people. Um, you know, I know that I have to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward again, because sometimes I'm the first line of impression that these folks are getting when they're interacting with the cannabis community. Maybe they've never talked to somebody who openly talks about how they use cannabis in their daily life. And I hope that I surprise them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like, you know, like you talked about kind of breaking those those stigmas around it and just, just you yourself, you know, um, how professionally and how well you present. Like you said, uh, clearly, um, you know, presenting the information about the festival and um, letting people know that it's more than, you know, just like, um, it's like a party, it's education, there's, you know, uh, so many other elements to it. And speaking of that, you know, um, the festival is, of course, the main event, but there's also some other, you know, events that you had, like, I know last year you did, like, a comedy show and a couple of panels and things like that. Are there things like that planned for this year? We have a few things that we'll be um, talking about within the next week or two, but we're going to be doing some cool collaborations with DC Brow Brewing Company mm -hmm. and some other local folks. Um, Really everything that we're doing with MCF this year is about reinvesting in our community. So from the staff that we hire to work the event to the beer that we're gonna serve at the event, like everything is about pouring money back into our city and into companies that have been hit pretty hard in the past year. 
Right, right. And and being a, a native Washingtonian, how important was that to you to make sure that you, you know, reinvested in the city and poured those resources back in? You know, it was important. I think, you know, those of us on this call right now have all kind of hit an age where we have friends that own companies in DC. Um, some are new companies, some are old companies, some are trying to open companies. And um, it just, you know, it's different when you're looking at ways to help each other come back up together. Um, so if working with a local beer company or a local ice cream company or a local coffee company has them bringing a great product to my event and making my attendees happy, and in turn, I'm helping their business grow, then I mean, to me, that's community reinvestment. So we're trying to have an all DC show this year. That's dope, yeah, very DC centric. That's, that's cool and that's, that's definitely necessary. And, um, you know, as a native Washingtonian also, it's, um, you know, it evokes a sense of pride and, and, and um, just in gratitude to you for doing that and for making sure that it's something that, uh, that gives back because it could have easily, you know, just been something where you pull from other communities or other places and um, those resources went to, to, to other things, but making sure that it comes back to help build and, um, you know, enrich our communities is along the same lines, in my opinion, of what like people like, um, like uh, my boy Jay Sun are doing with the community, you know, outreach programs and things like that. And so, um, because that capital is, is, is paramount to, to um, like I said, enriching the community and making things better and giving us the tools that we need. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about um, outside of just policing, but having, uh, you know, also having uh, community members and outreach and things of that nature. So th this stuff is so very important. And uh, yeah, man, one of the, I always say one of the reasons I started this show was to get people on here that I admire and, and just kind of, you know, tell them about it for an hour and a half tell them how dope they are for an hour and a half. I mean, you definitely are one of those people. Um, just, uh, you know, like I said, I have an audacity to believe, you know what I'm saying, that you can do something uh, so much that you kind of spoke it and brought it into existence through your own will and powers that makes you a superhero in my eyes. It's so dope. I appreciate to that. Friend, you know, um, to, uh, but having, yeah, the encouragement and community of people, people like you and, you know, the East Coast Grow team, like yeah, just yeah. even those little things at the beginning stages really helped a lot. But um, yeah, and I will always come on this show because I love getting to catch up with you, getting to reminisce about how long ago we met now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been really fun tonight. I really enjoyed catching up with you guys. And I hope you're planning on being yeah. at the festival, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my tickets first and then yeah. I got the other tickets to give away. So I'm definitely going to be there. And um, I know you'll probably be busy. I'm going to look for you, though. Um, you will see me. I'll be running around like my hair is on fire just the whole day. It's all day. It's nuts. I think I rack up like 20 miles on foot that day. It's always right, right. an experience. So, so with the, like, this, uh, on a personal question, so after the festival, like the day, like uh, after everything wraps up, which I'm sure you don't get out of there until probably what the next morning sometime or something, but um, after everything's done, like what do you do to kind of like detox and relax and just you know, kind of unwind and, you know, after everything happens. Was, was I, mean, I definitely smoke a bunch of weed, but I've learned over the years to expect an adrenaline drop after the festival, mm -hmm. just from going so hard going into it. Um, so I try and really give myself a break for the two weeks after. Um, I'll let myself feel all the feelings. 
it's a really strange thing, but yeah, to go from moving 200 miles an hour to like back to like a casual 55 right. can really like do things to you emotionally. So mm-hmm. I've learned to take it easy, enjoy cannabis and spend as little time as I can online. Right, online, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's an interesting aspect. I never thought of just the, you know, uh, that transition of going from, like you said, moving so fast to kind of like, okay, everything's cool. You know, so yeah. And that's that's if you have a great show. Like it's right. going so fast. If like it's a day that's not what you were hoping for, that's even harder. But um yeah. 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 So but um but everything's gonna be amazing this year because I'm gonna be there. So it's gonna be fun. Exactly. It's gonna be amazing. Family reunion. What's the lineup? What's the lineup again? Artists. Mike said, what's the lineup again? Oh, the lineup. So we have Method Man and Red Man headlining. Young MA is coming down to Brooklyn from Brooklyn to support them. Of course, we have Backyard, like we do every year. Mm-hmm. Anti Ballas is like an Afro funk band. They're like an Afro funk big band. So they're going to be with us. Yeah, nice. The Archives is a reggae band local. Um, Puma from Thievery Corporation heads it. Nice. Then we have Lee Blackwood and Graham. They're an electric funk trio. And then Farrah Flossett, who has been DJing the festival and opening it up for the past couple of years for us. Dope. Dope. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds like it's going to be an, uh, an amazing show. And um, some, of the, uh, some of the presentations or um, workshops and things that are going to be going on there, do you have any, you know... Uh, uh, Lots of stuff. We're going to be talking about infusing everything from cake and coffee and beer. We'll be talking about sex and cannabis. Um, we're going to be talking about the LGBTQ community and cannabis, um, talking about local law, federal law, how to get into the cannabis industry, how to get a job in the industry. So it really is like a full day of education if that's what you're coming for. There are going to be four separate pavilions running concurrently all day. Um, so just grab a seat in the shade and you can get a lot of information. That's dope. That's dope. And so, yeah, man, you guys heard it. August 28th, uh, 2021, National Cannabis Festival. It's going to be amazing, man. I got my tickets. I'm going to be there. Uh, Caroline, thank you so much. I know this is a crazy time for you leading up to the festival. So just the fact that you made the time to come out and hang out with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was really great meeting you, Michael. We'll have to smoke weed sometime together. Aisha, it was great meeting you. Definitely, man. Thank thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. It's our Um, annual tradition, Dave. So um, you're like a good luck charm. I look forward to seeing you at the event. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be there this year. I took off. I got my ticket. I will be there 100%. Um, yeah, so you'll see me. Uh, on behalf of myself, Super okay. Dave, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, uh, Just Mike, Aisha, Patrice, who uh, couldn't make it today, and our illustrious guest, uh, National Cannabis Festival creator and curator, the wonderful Caroline Phillips, man. Thank you guys for checking out another episode of the Neighbors Livecast. We will still be doing the contest, but I'm going to announce the names in a little while. Uh, so just check back with the page and we'll see who won. All right, guys, have a great one. Take care of yourselves and each other, and peace. Good night. Bye.